Welcome to MicroCollege, a podcast exploring innovative, place-based, and humanly scaled responses to the crises in higher education, meaning, and discourse in our time. Everyone knows that colleges and universities are at a breaking point. But what can be done? At MicroCollege, we ask this question to the people who are tackling the problem head-on, as well as asking accomplished people in all fields for their insights into these issues and what they think we can do about them. I'm Jacob Hunt, director of Thoreau College, a microcollege located in Viroqua, in the heart of the Driftless region of southwestern Wisconsin. Inspired by the example of Deep Springs College, by the life of Henry David Thoreau, and by the ideas of Rudolf Steiner, founder of the Waldorf School movement, Thoreau College offers higher education for the whole human being through immersive residential programs for young adults. We also offer shorter programs for adults of all ages, offered through the Driftless Folk School. Today on MicroCollege, we are honored to have two of the very small number of alumni of Thoreau College with us. Uh, and they are Liam McGilligan, who just a week ago uh, finished up with the very first Metamorphosis year, a year-long program that started last August, August of 2022, 2021. Um, and we're also joined by Jacob Rowland, who participated in our fall 2020 semester program and the spring 2021 summer fellowship and, and also the summer fellowship. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as I mentioned, Thoreau College, it's a micro-college, um, and has only is, is very young. Uh, we've had um, two semester programs and, this, and a year-long program, Metamorphosis Year. Um, and so our, our alumni, a very small number of people, and um, yeah, our, your, your insights and your, and your ideas are really important uh, evidence for us and also for the micro-college movement, so thank you for being with us. Um, I'd like to, to ask, um, so Liam, um, came into Thoreau College into this year, having already completed a, uh, an undergraduate degree. Um, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about your, your educational background, um, where you're from, and um, yeah, just the, what, what you were doing during your traditional ages of college. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm originally from Madison, Wisconsin. I was born and raised there. I went to Henry David Thoreau Elementary School, uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. So way back in the day, maybe this, this, this Thoreau College was already kind of uh, coalescing in my mind. And, um, and um, so I went to public schools in Madison, graduated from Madison West High in 2016. And then I went to the University of Minnesota, where I was a student in the Guthrie Theater Actor Training Program, um, which is an acting conservatory. There was, uh, it was a partnership between the University of Minnesota College of Liberal Arts and the Guthrie Theater, which is kind of a flagship American regional theater, you know, the most prominent, uh, uh, you know, biggest budget theater in the Twin Cities. Um, so kind of through that, it was a heavy emphasis on, you know, classical theater, Shakespeare, Ibsen, Shaw, Chekhov, and all sorts of new plays too, and um, dance and movement. And, um, you know, being that it was at the College of Liberal Arts, the University of Minnesota, there was obviously a liberal arts component to that too. So I really feel like it was an acting conservatory in terms of, you know, we studied theater, we studied plays, we studied acting techniques, Stanislavski, Meisner. But we also, I mean, it was really like a literature degree, too. And, and um, you know, we had this amazing class theater history that was a year long, you know, ancient Greece up to the present day. And the emphasis in that class was really on um, theater historiography. What, what, were the, what were the conditions that led to what type of theater was was being um, created at different times um, so that was that was what I was studying at the University of Minnesota and um, 
it was it was you know very interesting. The the University of Minnesota is has like fifty thousand students. I think forty thousand undergraduates and you know eight thousand or so graduates, and then a couple thousand postgraduates. And um, but the the program that I was in was um, uh, there. We started with twenty students and we ended with sixteen in my class. So at any given time, there were no more than probably eighty or so students in in the program, and it was a very very insular program, very very unique niche program, isolated from the rest of the university. And so I was a part of this huge Big Ten university in a large metropolitan area, but, you know, had this unique partnership with the Guthrie Theater where over the years, more and more, my classes were actually at the Guthrie Theater. I was less and less. I was actually at um, the University of Minnesota. And, and in a way, it was sort of a micro college mm-hmm. within this larger university. And we were kind of autonomous, um, kind of got to do our own thing. But in some ways, you know, we had to, had to, um, you know, report to the demands or the bureaucracy of the larger university. Um, so that was a that's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. That that's I was really fascinated to learn from you about that about that program. It does sound you know there's aspects of the micro college built into the to the mega college there, Big Ten University. Um, yeah, so, so coming out of that experience, what made you want to, to, to go into another type of a program, you know, in, in a different, yeah, into Thoreau College? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I, I've said this a number of times before, but um, yeah, you know, it was an acting conservatory, but there was a liberal arts component to it, too. And that's what drew the, me to the program originally, too, was because I never intended, I, I, I don't intend to be, and I don't think I ever intended to be just an actor and just a theater actor. And um when I was auditioning for the program and then when I got in, one of the, you know, I could pull it up somewhere, but one of their taglines or one of their, you know, their calling card was was that, you know, the Guthrie Theater Actor Training Program seeks to cultivate the actor, artist, scholar, and citizen. And so for me, I was interested absolutely in being an actor, but the fact that I could also cultivate, you know, I could be a scholar and I could be an artist in other disciplines and I could be a citizen was was absolutely enticing to me too. And I feel like that's, that's what I got. Um, but, you know, still the emphasis was, you know, if you were to choose a number, maybe 75% of it was like actor training, right? Mm-hmm. So when I came out of that and I, um, you know, kind of got out of college, I graduated in May of 2020. Um, so navigating the early stages of the pandemic, um, ended up moving to New York City. And after a period of time, I just kind of started to think, you know, I wanted, I, I like, I am also a scholar and an artist and a citizen. And I wanted to, you know, uh, follow those, follow the questions, you know, around those things more. And so I started thinking I, you know, would want to go back to school, but I knew that I didn't want to just choose, you know, surf the web, find some degree that kind of made sense to me and then pay way too much money to pursue that. Um, And so um, when I found Thoreau College, it looked, it was like graduate, well, for me, it was a graduate school of liberal arts. It was, you know, uh, the five pillars, community, art, nature, labor, academics. Like I said, you know, I, you know, um, actor, artist, scholar, citizen. So the scholar, the artist, the citizen, those, those are three components I would say of throughout college too. community slash self-governance. That's mm-hmm. a citizenship, you know, scholar, that's academics, artist, that's art, obviously. And so I felt like Thoreau was a, a, a place to, explore those other three things that I got to dip my feet into in at the University of Minnesota 
but to do it in a completely different context, um, in, a, in a completely different place. Um, well, in, in my home state, but you know, further, not in my hometown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My sense is that the, the Driftless region here is also a real interest of yours. So the place-based aspect of it was important. Cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, turning now to, to Jacob Rowland, um, Jacob, you you came into Thoreau College um, in the in the, the crazy middle of 2020 um, in a bit more of a traditional gap year type experience coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about your your previous education and and what you found attractive about why why you thought about coming to to Thoreau College? Yeah, so um, I'm from Los Angeles, California, and. Um, I was lucky enough to go to a pretty small high school of around 100 students um, with a very sort of um, non-traditional approach to education, um, sort of more of a a close relationship with teachers and um, experiential learning and stuff. Um, But I think that um, Thoreau was was more of a surprise to me. Um, it uh, It was, you know... 2020, we had cut off um, school, um, but right at the end, sort of of my senior year, I, I had really been going through sort of a renaissance of um, starting to take an interest in literature and philosophy and um, nature and uh, kind of more of a, a intentional self creation um, as I kind of felt like I was becoming an adult. Um, so yeah, I, with, with all this sort of free time, which I got, um, because of COVID, um, I started sort of dipping my toes into gardening, uh, started like composting in my backyard and growing carrots and um, <laughs> yeah, remember in your essay you wrote very movingly about compost. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it was yes. very impressive. <laughs> um, and I, I read Walden and uh, had sort of begun like my philosophical education, um, particularly because of a teacher I had in the last year of, of high school um, who really kind of inspired me. Um, so, you know, kind of really, really rapidly from say like the beginning of my senior year to the end of the senior year, I had sort of shifted um, into a totally new person, um, much more sort of receptive or interested in kind of alternatives to the traditional kind of path of um, high school to college, uh, specialization in a sort of major, and I was I was really kind of for the first time taking learning into my own hands. Um, so I found out about Thoreau College through Deep Springs, um, which was a, mo- a model that was really interesting to me. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of this was all kind of flooding out of me in a in a very short amount of time that I I, I kind of desired autonomy, uh, labor, connection to nature. Uh, philosophical inquiry and um, yeah, sort of a taking myself into my own hands for the first time. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, your your story, and I think it, it's it's been a common theme among students who've come to Thoreau College so far. Is you know this 
this period of life, whether it is you know the last year or two of high school or or the time that people are coming out of an undergraduate degree, really this this window between eighteen and twenty one or twenty five years old, it's one of these these you know it's the transition to adulthood, a major transition, and you do see rapid changes in people's interests and their habits and their and their outlooks on life and. Um, and I do think you know one of the purposes of a micro college, one of the roles it can play, is to is to be a place that that holds that transition and um, a community which supports it, uh, faculty members and 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 cultural activities and and other sorts of work that supports that transition to to a new identity, to a new self, really. Micro college is recorded in the broadcast studios of WDRT Viroqua, 91.9 FM, Driftless Community Radio, on Main Street in Viroqua, Wisconsin. Thanks to Jim and all the folks at WDRT for the support of Thoreau College and the Micro College Podcast. Um, so since so you spent a year here in Viroqua and into the summer, really a whole calendar year, um, and then you, you spent the last year um, at Oberlin College. Um, I think, uh, yeah, how has that been? And I guess maybe to focus on what are the positives? What have you enjoyed about it and, and what's worked well? Um, about about, o- about Oberlin. Uh-huh. So, right. So Oberlin has sort of been, if Thoreau was, was maybe the bridge to adulthood, um, Oberlin is more of the ground on the other side. Um, it's uh, It's certainly like... A different experience being at a at a traditional college, even one that's like admittedly small, liberal arts focused, has a great kind of alternative history. Um, it is um, it is more something that uh, you. I I'm really glad that I kind of went in with sort of a primer on adult life and um, scholarship and community. Um, I think it, it requires a much more um, intentional approach. Um, it's not going to guide you into kind of these um, deep kind of uh, levels of understanding of yourself, uh, engagement with other people or ideas. Um, I think it's much more of a kind of wide open field, um, mm. which um, allows for a really great depth. But um, Un, unprepared, I think, is not really something that uh, you can take advantage of. So your, your sense that, that your time that you spent here in at, at Thoreau was enabled you to take better advantage of that? Absolutely, yeah. If, like, um, be, before I came to Thoreau, I sort of uh, received this great interest in learning about literature and philosophy um, and nature and art. Um, Thoreau was kind of the site-setting the um, try these things on, uh, do some really kind of deep engagement with them, uh, kind of get a lay of the land, see where you want to go, see where you want to kind of avoid for now. Um, And, you know, by the time I was done, kind of, I felt ready to sort of go out into a wider um, field, I guess, Mm -hmm. and, and, and know exactly or approximately where I was going. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that background. Um, and yeah, I guess I'd like to. You know, um, so, so Thoreau College um, obviously is is uh, emphasizing the small micro college, um, 
we're also using the word college, right? So we need to examine that word a little bit, what that means. Um, and uh, and as, as Liam was mentioning, our curriculum um, is intended, is, is built around five pillars, um, academics, labor, community, nature, and art. Um, and those show up you know, in all of our programs in various ways. Um, so I guess I'd like to, to ask both of you, um, you alluded to a little bit, but um, I guess what, having been at, at, here in Viroqua, having been part of Thoreau College for a year, each of you, um, can you talk about the micro size of this? So when we, 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 uh, we talked about a micro college, the definition has been you know, programs that are 50 students or less. Deep Springs, one of our key models is under 30 students, between 25 and 30 students. Um, and the program that um, that Jacob Rowland participated in ranged between you know, uh, 11 to 15 students in some way throughout the year. Um, and Liam's class, which just graduated last week, had seven students. So very small groups of people. Um, I wonder if you could, um, both of you, talk about the what are, what are the benefits of that scale? Um, and, and also maybe what are some of the, some of the drawbacks of that scale? Um, so... Right. I was just thinking um, what what was so special to me about Thoreau um, was that um, in any group of people, um, there are going to be kind of enormous differences. Um, and specifically, Thoreau draws on kind of so many diverse uh, people from all kind of diverse walks of life, um, people headed in all kinds of different directions. Um, and in a kind of bigger college I've experienced, um, you don't encounter those people that are particularly different from you very much, or at least you don't, um, feel kind of the desire to get, um, kind of very, very closely acquainted with them to kind of see the world through their eyes because there's kind of endless stories of people just like you who will talk about exactly the same things you always want to talk about. Um, and I found it thorough, like, um, I was so surprised that these people who, like, were not like me did not want to talk about Plato and did not want to, <laughs> or whatever, um, were so, like, amazingly deep and interesting uh, and, ha like, um, impacted my life so profoundly, um, even though we're on in entirely different paths. Um, I found that living together, working together, struggling through um, kind of difficult texts together, being in class, um, and spending time in nature together um, has like, yeah, brought people together, which I, I sort of could not have imagined um, could have formed connections. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely relate to that experience. I think that I, you know, I did experience this at the University of Minnesota because I was in a group of 16 people and we pretty much spent all our time together even though we had this larger thing, but we still had this huge campus and this huge city kind of to uh, disappear into. And, and if we didn't want to interact with people or we just wanted to, you know, not deal with those things, we had, uh, you know, in so many options. Um, but at Thoreau, you are forced to, you know, this micro-college context forces you to confront um, um, confront those things. You can't really just hide from them. Um, 
and that is a that is a challenge, but but a very was a very valuable learning experience. Um, I, I suppose it taught me that you know there really is diversity everywhere. You know, um, it just kind of you have to open your eyes to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that point points to um, not only the size of Thoreau College itself and the composition, but also our location, right? So we're located here in in Viroqua, which is a town of about four thousand five hundred people um, in a in a very rural county. County, lots of agricultural um, activity here, um, and and this is actually similar to a number of our peers in the micro college movement, which tend to be in in rural communities or in wilderness locations or in general, you know, are also located in in. Uh, and communities on the small end of the spectrum. So I wonder if you could talk about that. I mean, and both of you grew up in, in bigger towns or lived in cities. Um, what was it like for you to come here to, to rural southwestern Wisconsin, and, and how did that contribute to your educational experience? Well, um, growing up in Madison, you know, I, I don't know when was the first time I kind of heard about the Driftless Region or heard about Viroqua, but it started creeping into my consciousness probably sometime in high school. Um, and I think that has something to do with, um, you know, the youth initiative, probably, um, you know, a lot there. I think there's a lot of traffic between Viroqua and Madison and, you know, Viroqua and Milwaukee or the Twin Cities or Chicago and, and other places. And so probably as, as interesting people and artists and and thinkers started, you know, graduated, you know, growing up in Viroqua and graduating from Youth Initiative, which is. Yeah. So um, Liam's mentioning Youth Initiative High School, which is the Waldorf uh, Alternative High School here in Viroqua. Um, an important part of our local context is is a thriving uh, Waldorf education scene here, elementary and high school that's been in operation for, for over 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think just as, you know, oh, I start, I, I start, you know, uh, going to uh, you know, I go to a house show in, in Madison when I'm 18 or 19, and this band is from Viroqua, and these people are, um, you know, that, you know, that's one experience. Um, I, I sort of, I think that was kind of a, a, a beginning, like kind of a seed being planted, and I suppose coming here, at least, the transition is, um, we've talked about this a little bit this year, but one of the things that my eyes maybe I knew it already subconsciously, but something that my eyes have been open to and now I just like, I totally see it everywhere is, um, you know, well, that that college, the traditional college, the traditional path that Jacob Rowland was talking about is not, it, it's evidence here that it's not necessary to, not that it's a bad thing, but that it's not necessary for success or for happiness. Um, like there are so many people I've met around here um, who, who are doing such cool things, um, groundbreaking things in art, in in education, in agriculture, in community, um, you know, um, in business, um, who have taken non-traditional paths their whole life or didn't go to college at all. And that is, um, that's like a big thing we're sold, I think growing up um, in most places is like this is the path that you have to take to be successful and be happy and make something of your life and I always hoped and dreamed and was like yeah that's not true but there weren't so many examples around of that being true I was like that's obviously not true but I didn't have any proof of it and one thing that I've definitely learned here is that it is true it absolutely is true Jacob, do you have any comment about yeah coming from LA to to Wisconsin, <laughs> to small town Wisconsin? Yeah, um, 
I'm, I, I was always trying to discover why it wasn't such a shock. Um, I think, of course, Viroqua is a, is a very kind of unique place um, with an incredible kind of artistic and intellectual um, and community scene going on. Um, I think that, you know, I, 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 was, I was very um, kind of possessed as I think a lot of people at around eight, 18 or 19 are um, with this sort of radical uh, want to sort of get away from, from typical life, right? Like as Thoreau did, um, sort of set out into the woods, write big, bold proclamations about how, you know, people should get rid of all their furniture and live in a shack or something. Um, I think like... Uh, perhaps it, it strikes at, at different times for different people, but I think a lot of people go through this kind of radical need to be somewhere totally new, dive into something uh, new, in a way kind of fake it till you make it, right? Like don't um, don't stop yourself by saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not from here, you know, um, but sort of dive in and see yourself as a citizen of a new place uh, and and kind of a, the, a person who leads a, a radically different lifestyle to the one that you're used to. So it, it, it came at the right time for me, um, and I, I sort of dove in. Yeah, I think that there's a perception of small-town America as being um, lacking diversity, uh, which it does in some ways, um, but also as, as a place that's boring, right? I think, and, and, and uh, that even applies to people who grew up here, I would say. <laughs> um, so that... that um, that that uh, yeah is, is is it boring is it a, is it a is a, a like um, sterile kind of cultural environment would you say absolutely not no but I do have to like you said I do have to wonder what the experience would be like or what the learning would have been like if you know um, I had gone to a town that uh, wasn't like Viroqua you know um, you know Viroqua is known as the town that beat Walmart. Most small towns have not beat Walmart. You know, what would it have been like if I went to a town, somebody started a college in a town that, you know, you know, not to be, just to be frank, you know, had a Dollar Tree and a gas station and a bait and tackle shop, you know? Mm -hmm. That would be a different experience um, for sure. So I do have to wonder. Yeah. Yeah, there's a confirmation bias of some kind built into that situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that certainly. You know, as I grew up in this area, I'm a, I'm a local. Um, grew up on a farm um, in in the local area and lived here most of my life. Um, and certainly, you know, one of the one of the reasons that um, that I'm working on, you know, starting a, a college here, um, is for the benefit of the local community. I think that projects like Thoreau College, as well as the Waldorf schools, and and now the many other cultural initiatives here. Um, they bring life to a place like this and make it a great place to live. So um, I think it's reciprocal, right? I think that you're right to, to ask that question. The Driftless Folk School, located in the beautiful rolling hills and valleys of southwest Wisconsin, is a community of lifelong learners dedicated to cultivating personal and cultural resilience through hands-on educational experiences. The Driftless Folk School offers classes in agriculture, land stewardship, natural history, folk arts and crafts, herbalism, wilderness skills, and more. For further information on the Driftless Folk School, visit us at driftlessfolkschool.org on the World Wide Web. Liam, I wanted to go back to something that you were, you were talking about a moment ago. Um, so we, we've talked a bit about what the, the benefit is of, of being micro scale, some of the benefits of that. Um, I wonder, I mean, 
when I talk to people, especially older people, about gap year programs or micro colleges, um, these kind of um, structured uh, ways of interacting, you know, in, in new ways with the world um, after high school or after you know in, in young adulthood, some some sometimes people um, will ask, well, why why can't people just do that on their own? Why can't they just go and you know when I was Growing up, when I was that age in the 1970s or the 1960s, I went and hitchhiked around Europe and mm-hmm. and worked on farms, or you know, I went and lived in the city. And 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 you know, what's the benefit of having, let's say, a college or or a structured educational environment rather than just winging it? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I my experience has been that um, although there has been yeah, there's been structure here that has you know kind of maybe led me in a certain direction. I would say. F- my my experience was more that Thoreau provided a context for me to embark on a self-education. If Thoreau is in a community like Viroqua, where there are people and there are businesses and there are events that create a context for that created a context for me to do what you are talking about. Um, and there certainly are many, bar- many different barriers today to just up and, you know, walking from uh, Paris to New Delhi on the hippie trail and learning that, <laughs> you know, there's, there's certain barriers to doing that now. But that doesn't mean that there aren't different contexts being created like, mm-hmm. like here in Viroqua. Um, so that was, my, that was my experience. I think that the structure here has not been rigid. It's been in um, something, uh, actually I'm recalling something that we read in a book at the University of Minnesota in my program. Uh, the, the, just the one kind of topic that this book covered, it was called Free Play by Stephen Nakmanovich. And he was talking about the power of limits. And the basic, uh-huh. and, and, and how, you know, putting, creating a framework for yourself or structures for yourself actually enables you to, well, transcend those structures or to take initiative or agency over your own learning or your own life. So I don't feel like the structure has been rigid. I feel like it's created a context for me to, well, break it down, but to, to take an agency over my own uh, life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's, there's great wisdom in the college, um, the idea of the college. I don't think that, that any kind of exper- experiment with, with um, alternative education is trying to sort of dig at the foundations of institutions of higher learning. Um, and I think, Liam, you're, you're right that um, when thinking about freedom, it can be interesting to play with or think about the ways in which we limit ourselves in order to get greater freedom. Um, I think entering, obviously entering into any kind of college is more of a limit than than um, bumming it and 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 like yeah walking around with a knapsack and and hitchhiking, <laughs> um, but I think that uh, through that sort of taking on conscious taking on of limits, we're first of all able to conceive of the act of, of limitation um, and and kind of know what we're doing, what the point of college is better um, than kind of entering it unquestioningly. And we're also allowing for a greater kind of freedom. Uh, I found a lot at Thoreau that like uh, when we sort of agreed upon or, or came to a consensus on certain sort of ways we wanted to live collectively, um, 
that allowed a sort of freedom which um, isn't available to someone who has no associations um, and kind of is a, yeah, just winging it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that The freedom to rely on people, the freedom to kind of do great projects um, and be in a very close community and, and sort of um, grow together, um, I think is, is a great freedom which is uh, acquired through the taking on of limitations. Yeah, that's very well put, I think. Yeah, so the the um, the limitations, uh, you know, one of the one of the key limitations, as as we were alluding to before, is is the size and the scope of of the of the school, um, both the faculty and of the students. So there are, you know, if you're engaging in collective self governance, which is a core kind of value of the college, um, you're having to take into account the the opinions of other people, the needs of other people, different systems of values, mm-hmm. different 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 standards of, let's say, timeliness or cleanliness, you know, those sorts of things are, are real world sort of things that if you're, if you, you've committed to some period of time, whether it's a semester or a year or, or longer um, in, a, in a small community, that's, that's going to be, those are limits you're going to need to work with very actively. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, on limitation, Thoreau has kind of let me, yeah, more consciously in the future take on further limitations um, in education and in life like I, I, I see now um, the, uh, progressing from Thoreau sort of this more open alternative uh, free college towards a, a, a more traditional college that it's it's mostly kind of a taking on of, of greater limitations um, in order in, in exchange for kind of more specialization, um, depth in certain sort of areas of study. Um, but had I not really thought deeply about why I was limiting myself to that, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I would, I, it would feel pretty pointless. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something I wanted to ask you both about as well. Um, which is, so the, the kind of the slogan, the tagline of Thoreau College has been higher education for the whole human being. And so we are, we're practicing or seeking to practice, you know, a really uh, a broad form of, we could say, an expanded liberal arts that includes not just a broad range of academic disciplines, but also other modes of life. So in this case, it means community self-governance, learning how to run a meeting, making decisions together, you know, about finances and rules and, and schedules and all of this. Um, it also means manual physical labor. Um, the Thoreau College runs a, a greenhouse and a small farm, um, cooks food together, maintains our facilities together. So there, there are hands-on and merely um, physical types of skills and, and routines that are, that are part of the curriculum. We also incorporate the arts, which includes singing and visual arts and um, sometimes theater and, and traditional folk crafts, things like that. Um, and then there's nature, which includes a real a deep immersion into um, expeditions and solos and familiarity with local plants and animals and, and the seasons. Um, so that's that's a that really spreads us thin in some ways. The students really are exposed to lots of things. And, and I guess as a as a one of the designers of this curriculum, my hope is that something in that mix there is something that a student feels they really connect with and they, they feel really good at and they're, they're natural for it. And there's something that they find really hard. Right, something that's that's frustrating, or something that is that they would never have chosen to do before. Um, I guess I wonder if you could talk about that that range, you know, having that 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 um, that breadth of of activity um, in the curriculum. 
Yeah, I mean, f- firstly, I think there's a great um, passage in Walden uh, where he mentions someone, Thoreau mentions someone, uh, I think, coming up to his cabin trying to sell him baskets. Uh, and uh, he sort of is like, um, he conceives of the work that he's doing, kind of solitude, observation of nature, writing and reading as his own sort of, he's he's weaving his own baskets. Um, so I think that when we sort of are able to encounter all these kind of different ways of coming to know the world, coming to engage with the world, know ourselves, um, we, we can see um, kind of what we are doing um, with kind of clearer vision. Um, of course, not all of us are going to become like basket weaving, trout fishing, uh, shed building, uh, like scholars uh, who like <laughs> also, you know, camp in the wilderness every weekend. Like the goal of, of, of this breadth um, partially is to inform us for kind of our uh, later specializations um, to see kind of that first of all that that intellectual uh, knowledge is not privileged above folk knowledge above knowing how to build things how to fix things how to be in nature how to be in community um, mm-hmm. yeah and so I, I think it, it's firstly the the kind of liberal curriculum is um helping us conceive of the different ways um, of being or, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure actually I would be the most well-equipped person to answer this question because, but it leads me to a question for you maybe, Jacob, Mm -hmm. is, but but for me is, um, I don't know, even before, um, my, my whole life actually, I feel like, you know, I played like eight or 10 different sports from log rolling to ultimate Frisbee, like just, you know, I did ballet for a couple years, you know, I went to church till I was like seven and, you know, and like, I've just, um, I feel, I guess, blessed, uh, grateful that, that my parents, you know, just threw me into anything and if, and let me experience it. And if I didn't like it, they let me move on to something else. Um, and then the whole, you know, one of the, at, at the university of Minnesota, you know, we had long days, five days a week, sometimes even six days a week. I mean, like, you know, uh, liberal arts classes from like nine to one or two, and then theater and acting classes from like, you know, th- the early afternoon till till the evening, then dinner, then rehearsal from seven to 11 p.m. And all the time, you know, our teachers were like, hey, you know, we're gonna be doing things that you're not gonna understand, that aren't gonna make sense to you, um, that you might not like. Um, you're gonna, you, it might never serve you, but it also might take five years, 10 years, 20 years for you to realize what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's always been a part of, I, you know, it's, and that was challenging growing up, always doing uh, different things, but it was also invigorating. It was the same at the University of Minnesota. It was the same here. And so I wouldn't, it, of course it was challenging, but I guess I haven't ever and wouldn't ever conceive it in a different way. But But what that leads me to is, you know, I think Thoreau, from my, from my view, is reacting to many things that are happening in our society right now. But one of those things is sort of this this is is reacting to this idea that um, is rejecting 
you know, well, you know, I guess suffering or rejecting, um, you know, deep, deep challenges and saying, you know, you know that that's a bad thing, that we don't deserve that, that you know, we should just eliminate hardship. Um, and I wonder what, you know, what you think, Jacob, about, especially, you know, having founded this college six years ago, being a member, being a faculty member and founding Student at Youth Initiative and always being involved in alternative education, how you've seen that that problem develop and what, you know, did it get to a point that was so, so dire and so obvious? What compelled you to try to address that problem? So the problem that you're asking about is 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 the prioritization of comfort of of the easy or the you know and um yeah yeah well i think that 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 is uh that's first of all a fundamental challenge for any affluent society right mm -hmm. and um as a as an educator you know in the high school level um and certainly now in the last several years of working with with college students at Thoreau, um, I definitely see you know a sizable portion, a meaningful number of young people. Um, of course, I have a very strange sample size to and and and, and origin. Again, this the problem of confirmation bias is always there, but um, but I do see young people seeking um, you know as Thoreau did really the the the, the bedrock of reality, right? Um, whether that is suffering or just like the, really the way things work, right? How does money work? How does how does agriculture work? How do how do governments and groups make decisions? And what is all indeed spiritual realities? What what underlies reality in some fundamental sense? I think that's always been a quality of youth, right? Testing the limits of reality, testing limits of themselves, um, and and often and, and I think essentially in some levels, um, suffering is a part of that, right? A person who 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 never experiences something really hard, something really difficult has knows on some level conscious or unconsciously that they're missing some fundamental experience they don't know the limits of their of themselves and and the nature of the reality in some way and Thoreau you know is one of the reasons that Henry David Thoreau is one of our inspirations is that he was very explicit about that right um, he went into the woods to live deliberately uh, to examine that what was necessary what was essential um, and you know to do things like figure out what is actually what is the minimum I can can live on basically in terms of human contact, in terms of food, in terms of you know things. Um, in our society today, you know, which is direct lineal descendant of the society that Thoreau was was grow, was living in, you know, we have lots of stuff. We have got um, lots of security. We've got lots of you know there are ways that that um, that it is easy to live here. But um, I think on a spiritual level or on a on a on an inner level, especially for a young person, um, that's there's something missing there's some fundamental part of self-knowledge that's missing and so yes that is absolutely part of this the the curriculum design is is um to in some way or another in, in give people opportunity to to experience that um just to give a really explicit example probably the, the easiest for most people to understand is the is the expedition and solo curriculum so um we um in each of the three years that we've had um extended programs we've had a sequence of both group expeditions which Sometimes are canoe trips or their hikes um, or they're just um, you know camping in a remote location for a week, um, or um, and then also a sequence of solos. So these are um, without a tent, with a, with a with a tarp and a little fire um, in a in a forested location for periods of ranging from 24 to 48 hours in in all seasons. So from from beautiful weather in the fall, all the way through um, in December when there's we do a 48 hour solo 
sometimes temperatures are down below zero. And when people first hear about that, sometimes they, 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 they're kind of horrified by it. Um, but consistently, it is one of the most valuable parts of our curriculum in the sense that you can see students face fears and, and face uh, inner and outer challenges and come out of it in a way that they are there's a there's a marked kind of confidence and inner transformation, and I think that that in, in whether that's in a social context or an academic context, reading difficult hard you know texts or difficult sort of hand manual skills, um, those are things that a good education provides and 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 supports students in 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 experiencing. Thoreau College is a leader in an emergent movement dedicated to the renewal and revitalization of higher education through the creation of new, humanly-scaled institutions with holistic curricula known as micro-colleges. Thoreau College, higher education for the whole human being. Um, yeah, Jacob, you are, um, I think you're definitely uh, a person who loves books. And uh, you know you are on the scholar end of things here, and um, I guess uh, when you you came back to town after your year in in Oberlin, um, you made uh, it felt like a really like a confession, which is that you're you're questioning the role of philosophy in education, <laughs> um, but which is an interesting confession to make. But I guess I'm wondering if you can talk about um, the more the academic sides of things here. I mean, what do you see based on your experience in high school and here at Thoreau and now in a more conventional college? What is the role of texts, of ideas, and intellectual life in general education? Um, right. So, of course, like I think texts are, in a way, people's first thought um, of education, maybe a little bit less so now. Um, but, you know, education, it's not, it's not a school without books. It can be a school without living there. It can be a school without working. It can be a school without being in nature. Usually it's not a school without books. Um, but I think that Thoreau uh, is, not, is not just kind of a, the, the kind of blind worship of reading texts in order to acquire knowledge uh, or even wisdom. Um, I think that Thoreau treats texts much more uh, as an experience or an encounter similar to being in nature, being outside. Um, so, you know, it's, it's less about um, kind of holding up particular ideas that we want to sort of drill into our into the students, um, and and more sort of seeing books as an exercise in in thinking. Um, so so it's important which books we read. Right. I mean, that's the eternal question, <laughs> and I think that uh, yes and no. Like, I I I I I um, want to read sort of the 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 great kind of books of the world of history um which i sort of see as all in con uh conversation with each other um and i think that at thoreau first of all i just i i uh was exposed to so many amazing texts um and and kind of got the freedom to explore them like i would just kind of come up to you, Jacob, all the time and, and be like, have you read this? Have you read that? What do you think about this? <laughs> um, and uh, and certainly there were plenty of people here who I had kind of these really, really deep, heady 
intellectual um, relationships with. Uh, but I think really, yeah, the, the, the main sort of text takeaway um, for me of Thoreau was, was the method, um, was the sitting around in a circle um, around a few kind of key texts um, and really just like dissecting them, trying them on, arguing over them. Um, and I think, you know, we, uh, the main, the core curriculum of Thoreau was, was not in exactly canonical. Um, <laughs> like it was, uh, it was explorations into the canon, but it was not a, a sort of like Mortimer, Mortimer Adler, like great books, uh, education. It was, it was more like the, these texts are interesting and strange and, um, have have proven that uh, they can be good devices for thinking. Um, so let's kind of try to think with them, but let's do it in the context of um, the other things we're doing. So let's go read Thoreau in the woods. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about the plants that he talks about. Um, let's yeah read braiding sweetgrass um, and like you know do <laughs> our sweet ba sweetgrass basketry in our. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think that uh, that um, text at Thoreau sort of were incorporated into life more than read for the sake of reading. Um, I think personally, I, I, I got more of an experience of, of deep reading for its own sake. Um, and obviously, I think that's that's the basket that I'm weaving right now <laughs> in my life. Um, <laughs> And I think that, yeah, that's um, that's what I've chosen sort of to pursue after Thoreau, um, studying literature at college, um, and Thoreau had a, a had an amazing kind of freedom uh, that let me dive really really deeply into that in into literature, and also let other people dive really deeply into folk skills or art or. Um, anything. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it, for me, you know, having you know, one of the reasons to to have college as a form, and I think that word college still has this this academic connotation, which is important. Um, is that the types of conversations that you're describing? Um, you know, they they rarely happen outside of a of something that it might be called the college or university, right? Or it's very difficult to cultivate that space. People, mm -hmm. you know, people read. Right, people, you know, watch classic cinema. They, they, you know, they, they appreciate art, um, but the context to have an ongoing conversation about it is something that is somewhat rare in our society, and it's it's held traditionally in liberal arts colleges or in university contexts. And so, if we if we um, if we lose that, and I think that we really are, you know, one of these crises that we're alluding to is the decline of the liberal arts as a form. Um, you know, a much more a vocationalization of, of college or a narrowing of academic specialty. Um, we lose those places where I think really, really some some of the really important work of our culture comes from. So glad that you found that here. And that's that's certainly one of the goals. Um, Liam, I wanted to ask you a similar question about the arts. You know, you, you came out of a drama school, you know, in arts, you know, the theater. Um, what what role do does this theater and the other you know fine arts have in a, in a general education? Hmm. Well, this is I, I think this question is like is 
being um it's being asked a lot right now um i think it's a good it's a good question i i suppose i have um always had a hope that you know i i had a view i guess of of the theater as well as revered along with also all a lot of other academic or artistic disciplines um and i suppose um you know part of my part of my moving away from acting and drama a little bit in, in the past is one like i said because I, I i've been wanting to explore you know the scholar in me and the artist and the citizen in me but also because i think that um you know the origins of theater back to ancient greece but then even as recently as 100 years ago it's just like become diluted and and separated from from its origin um increasingly and you know i had um i had an unsettling experience a couple months ago i went to see a play for the first time in yeah like two years um when i was in the twin cities and um you know there were so many barriers to entry to get into the theater um and you know i always pictured the theater as a play as a as a place to um well you know on you know a gathering where an audience and an, and, a, and, a, and a company are kind of are sharing a space together sharing one breath sharing one laugh but i felt like you know every single person you had to present a vaccination card to get in every single person was masked and it just felt hypocritical to me it didn't feel right to me at all um and i feel like that is kind of that is kind of the logical uh conclusion that the theater has come to when its origins was in ancient greece you know a religious ritual where the entire town came together to share in the stories of their gods and then um in shakespearean times you know uh, the Globe Theater, where you know, in the back row, you had the aristocracy, and in on the ground, you had the groundlings who were dr drunk and peeing themselves during the performances. <laughs> but they were all all there together. The good old days. <laughs> Not that we want to go back to that, but but you know, all there together, unvarnished, sharing in the pain and the misery and the joy of the story, um, without barriers. And um, even before COVID and now these new, these new barriers to live performances of all kind, you know, um, most people don't like Shakespeare anymore because Shakespeare for the last, what, 75 years or so has, has been presented as just as, you know, well, the greatest thing on earth and soup, very elite and inaccessible. Right. And so I feel like it, it used to be just on the written page primarily. In yeah. Schools. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, to your question, I think that, uh, it plays a huge role um, because the theater, and before you even say theater, just stories, you know, there's an oral tradition. The oral tradition is an intangible aspect of, of human heritage. And so it, I feel like probably for a long time, it, it wasn't, it was just kind of like, well, of course we are going to, uh, of course this is a vital part of how we understand ourselves. Um, and maybe it's it maybe, um, but like you said, you know, this increasing specialization at colleges um, has maybe taken 
feed her with it and and pigeonholed it into this very specific thing that is that is no longer inaccessible and and um or that is no longer accessible um but you know i was just reading i just started reading um uh back to methuselah by bernard shaw yesterday <laughs> myra who's another throw college student uh showed it to me it's called back to methuselah a metabiological pentateuch <laughs> and and um he he starts he writes like there's like 30 essays and then five plays and one takes place 4000 years ago in the garden of eden and that's the first one and the last play takes place in the year 32000 and then the ones in between are you know different ages of humanity wow. and it was like this is a play right these are plays but this is also like an epic. This is a novel. This is a textbook. This is a. Um, it's also it's a metabiological pentateuch. It's a it's it's a philosophical text, and I feel like um, those things play a huge part in education. But we're seeing now a play is just a play, <laughs> and it's often presented inaccessibly. Um, and it just, it seems to not mean anything besides la, 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 you know, we're performing as opposed to we're collaborating. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, I think what the, the strand that connects what, what you were just saying, Liam, and what, what Jacob Roland was saying, um, you know, this, you know, the, the liberal arts curriculum is traditionally understood, um, was, you know, had to do with, with freedom right Liber, you know liberty um, and that had to do with with really empowering people to be good communicators right and and also thinkers um, and a lot of that has to do with storytelling right and so whether the stories are in texts right or they're in on the stage or they're in you know they're sort of artistic media right the you know the the working through of of the of our experiences and of uh, of the the really the, the raw data of life in storytelling form is is an important step towards towards being a free person. Um, so that is that's part of the goal of this curriculum. So we're coming up towards the end of our of our period here, um, and I just want to thank our guests here today, Liam McGilligan, Jacob Rowland. Um, thank you for for sharing your experience, and thank you for being a part of Thoreau College uh, over the last couple of years. Thank you. Thank you, Jacob.